I wonder if, because a lot of times when people see us out and about with our kids, they're like, I can't even imagine. I don't know how you do it all. And my go-to response is typically like, well, we don't, you should see our house, you know, but I wonder if the better response would be, you know what? We have a lot of help. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think both are good. One, because one says we don't have it all together. Like you you caught us out. I mean, look at our kids' shoes. Look at our kids' shoes. (laughs) They're wearing one flip-flop and one tennis shoe. Mm-hmm. On the same child. <laughs> yeah. And the and the tennis shoe has a sock and the flip-flop doesn't. <laughs> I mean, look, look at look at our van. Our van is yeah. gross. Tacky. Mm-hmm. Our our room, the room that the kids don't live in, is I would say more of the time messy than it is clean. Yeah. You know, like our our lives are not neatly put together. I think it's important for people to know that. And then two, yeah, people need to know that we have, we do have help. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? I am doing as well as can be expected. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Under what circumstances? Well, we've had a virus come through the house this week, so. You are correct. We have. We sent the kids away last weekend and heard reports of them being sick while they were with the grandparents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I was kind of hoping it was going to stop there. We (laughs) we got through a few days here at the house. Nobody was sick. Uh And I was like, okay, I, I think we're good. We got this. Yeah. I mean, when you're a family with eight people, having a virus is terrible. It is. Yeah. Because it cycles through. Yeah. I call it the plague. It's really hard to get rid of. So it's, as, as we speak, it's on our first pass, uh, on its first pass through our family. (laughs) Um, You, you had it a few days ago. I've been dealing with it. I had it yesterday. Or yeah, you had it yesterday. I've been dealing with it today. And but I, t- I told the people in the community, in the chat who are listening live right now, I said, I, I want to be chipper. You know, I'm, I want to be lively during the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm doing my best. And it's, it may be a little bit of a shorter show, but I think it'll be good. Yeah. But man, I'm looking forward to getting rid of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like you're dying. Yeah, it, it definitely did. I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling probably... 32% better mm-hmm. than I was earlier. So. <laughs> All right. Well, today we are talking about getting the help you need around the house. And I wanted to preface this by talking about the way I think about the different aspects of our lives. I, I have these three main categories that I use. So the first category is work. And this is in, in no particular order, but the first category is work. The second category is relationships. And then the third category is, uh, self-care, taking care of yourself. Mm. And, and then of course, you know, within those three categories, it branches out into different things. But, but for example, in the relationship category, I break that out into family relationships, you know, like your, your close living in the house with you, family, Mm -hmm. your extended family, your, your friends and acquaintances, any other human being, that you have some form of relationship with falls under that category. Um, in the work category, I actually include things like keeping up the house, cleaning the house, getting groceries, mm-hmm. raising kids, those kinds of things I categorize as work because really they are work, even if we find fulfillment in doing some of those things. Mm-hmm. And I do still, you know, within that category, I keep it separate from like a day job and a business that you're building and that kind of thing. But as you start a family, as your family grows and as your responsibility grows with that, that work portion can become all consuming Mm -hmm. and it can really start to come at the expense of the relationships that you have and you, you being able to take care of yourself and get, guess which one takes a hit first. Yeah. Taking care of yourself. Yeah. But, but all three of those areas the the health of all three of those areas influences the health of the other two. Mm-hmm. So 
so when one is out of balance or when, when one is taking up too much time or attention, the other two suffer. And, and that's just the way that it works. So today I wanted to talk about specifically that piece of work, th- that aspect of work, which is keeping up with the house, keeping up with the responsibilities around the house, the raising of the kids, those kinds of things, and how we can ask for and get the help that we need and how we can build something that's sustainable over the long term that, that supports us um, in our ability to thrive in our work and to thrive in the other areas of our life. Mm-hmm. So the first, the first place I want to talk about is the spouse. Now we've talked about this before, a uh, very similar topic in episode 29. If you go to intheboatwithben.com slash 29, that episode was balancing work and household responsibilities. And we, in that episode, we talked about this idea that the relationship that you have with your, your spouse and the way that the work is split up, like there's never, you're never going to find this 50, 50, absolutely even split. It's just too complex to be able to do that. Right. And if that's your goal, you're actually going to be more frustrated. Um, your, your goal is the spouse is to be able to contribute in whatever way you can, but the focus needs to be on the things that you're trying to accomplish, not on the work itself. And so when the, when the focus is on goals that are outside of the, the actual housework, it makes it a lot clearer how you might divvy that up and where, you know, in one season it might make more sense for one spouse to do more than the other. And in another season it might be flipped around. This is something that through communication, you've got to arrive at an agreement about. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the things that you can do is to meet regularly about your goals. When you meet regularly about your goals and you talk about the things you're trying to accomplish, a natural part of that is how other responsibilities are influencing your time. Mm-hmm. And if you're both focused on the goals that you're trying to accomplish, it's going to be easier to talk about, okay, I I think I need you to take up this thing for a while while I focus on this other thing. Yeah. I think the times that we've kind of gotten in trouble with each other is when one of us didn't communicate that maybe we needed a little bit of help with something Mm -hmm. and, um, just kind of, you know, let it be there unspoken. And then when it wasn't taken care of, you know, there's blaming, there's frustration, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff that can come into play. And it can feel scary to ask for help. I mean, we, we have six young children mm-hmm. and honestly, keeping up with the house is at this point more than a full-time job for one person. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, f- I feel a little bit, af- not afraid, but just tentative sometimes about asking you to, to do things because I know that you're already doing so much. Mm-hmm. And that also can get into a conversation about, you know, what are some things that you can let go of for now? Yeah. So you may have expectations of what you're trying to keep up with that are unrealistic for the season that you're in. But communicating those things and, and actually saying out loud, this, is, this has really been bothering me. It's been taking my focus away from being able to build something is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say that we dusted our house for the first time in like three months last weekend, which was kind of nice. You should have seen our ceiling fan in our bedroom. <laughs> Only three months? It may have been longer. I don't even know. May have been longer. I think I dusted the last time we had a birthday party. Yeah. The, the ceiling fan though, that thing collects dust. Yeah, it does. And it's funny because when our boys saw me cleaning, they were like, who's coming up? Who's coming over? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's when you know. So when you when you go to make a request or you or you're talking about trying to share different responsibilities, it's important that you connect your request to something that's tangible that it frees up for you to do. So that could be a specific time that you need an, a certain amount of time. So so like cleaning the kitchen every single night while the other spouse reads or something like that's, that's not working for you because that takes an entire hour of your time away. If you shared that, you would each have 
30 minutes of extra time or, or even longer. It's, it's funny how that works. when you work together, mm-hmm. sometimes it ends up shortening the amount of time that you spend on that, on that work. Yeah. But if you get too many people involved, sometimes it makes it yeah. less efficient. <laughs> That's true. You got to find the balance there. But it, but you could say, you know, with that 30 minutes that that would open up for me, um, I would be able to spend that 30 minutes every single day doing this. And that's two and a half hours of extra work time that I get to build this thing. Or not even doing something, just hanging out with your spouse and kids. Yeah. And, and so that's another thing. So I'm talking about it as, as it relates to um, freeing up your work, but it also could free up your time mm-hmm. to strengthen your relationships. It could free up your time to allow you to do something that helps you take better care of yourself, like work out. Mm-hmm. But it's important to connect connect the request to those results and and not make the focus the work itself. And I feel like we're really fortunate that we have a we have a pretty we like we we like each other. Mm-hmm. We care about each other, but we're we're also really laid back when it comes to some of those things. And it it's a little bit easier it seems like for us to navigate those conversations because we have a really deep understanding of what, what we're after, mm-hmm. you know, the, the goals that we're trying to reach. But not everybody is in that situation. On the Sean West podcast recently, there was a question that came up that had to do with negativity and the cost of negativity in your life. Mm-hmm. And the, the question came up about the spouse. You know, what if your spouse is the one who's negative? Because you can't, you can't actually cut your spouse out of your life yeah. the way you can certain people. And, and I started to answer the, the question right away. And I was, I was kind of talking about it from the standpoint of, well, you've got to offset that negativity with other, you know, positive influences and stuff. But, uh, but Sean actually brought something up that I was, uh, and I was kind of missing the point. You and your spouse are one, you know, when you're, when you're married and you're sharing a life together, if your spouse isn't seeing your goal and isn't making the connection between, you know, the, the responsibilities that you're having to take care of and the way that's keeping you from being able to accomplish something, mm-hmm. that's a really, it, it can be insurmountable. It can keep you from experiencing the success that's really best for everybody. Yeah. And so Sean said something that I really like. He said, your full-time job you, you know, forget pursuing your passion, forget trying to build your business, forget all of that. Your full-time job is to invest in that relationship so that you can get yourself and, and your spouse to a place where you're both on the same page. Yeah. And I thought that was really good because it, it really holds the relationship in higher esteem than the goals and the work that you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, the fear is, well, what if, what if that means that I never get around to pursuing my goals because I'm spending all of my time uh, investing in this person? Well, one, I think if you're doing it right, that's not going to be your experience. But two, do you really want to accomplish your goals and not have peop- the, the people that you care about the most be able to experience that with you? Yeah, yeah. So that was really good stuff. And in this case, when they're not seeing the the connection between you know the responsibilities that you're dealing with and and how freeing you up from that might make it more possible for you to achieve some goal or to build your business stop having that conversation and just focus on that relationship invest in that person until you can get to a place where you both see eye to eye mm-hmm. all right so the next the next place we can look for help is with our family and friends. And one of the, one of the first notes that I have here, this is, this is probably more to do with family than friends, but I said, don't bargain. Uh, don't use the kids as a bargaining chip. What does that mean? So what that means is there's kind of this, people say it kind of playfully, like, you know, tell them, tell them if they, if they want to come hang out with the kids, they can come babysit and, and, uh, and really, you know what it's like, um, even, even as a grandparent, or you don't know what it's like as a grandparent maybe yet, but, <laughs> um, but you know, you know what it's like to do all of the work 
of taking care of children, bathing them, getting them into bed, feeding them. And there, there are joyful moments in between. And so you know, the grandparents know we're going we're gonna to have a good time. We're going to enjoy spending time with the kids. But if you're asking your family to come and help with the kids in some capacity, there's going to be work involved. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't like to even give the hint that there's some, like, if you don't come help with the work, then there's the possibility that I would be less likely to let you enjoy the fun parts of it. Yeah. And that goes both ways. You know, I, I think the example that we set there also lends itself to our family members seeing the value in doing the work part of it and not just coming for the fun. Cause there's also that joke on the other side of, you know, like the grandparents get to have a good time with them. And then when they're all sugared up and stuff, they send them back. Yeah. I mean, when the kids went to my parents' house, they threw up everywhere. So <laughs> that's a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. And, and so, you know, they're probably, do they do things differently? Probably. Are they going to be a little bit more lenient on certain rules? Probably. Are the kids going to be out of their minds when they get back home? Yeah. Yes, most likely. But it's, it's no less work, you know? And, and so it's important, it's important to think about it that way. And, and to not let it become this, you know, bargaining idea. Mm-hmm. It's a gift that's given. When, you're, when your family does that work with you, that's a gift that's given. Yeah. And when they get to spend time with the, with the kids and, and enjoy the fun parts of it, that's a gift that's given. So uh, another thing that we can do with uh, friends or family is establish a schedule. And this is something that we haven't really done a great job of. But when we've employed it in the past, it really saves a lot of, of headache and it makes, makes things a little bit more consistent. Wait, what do you mean by schedule? Like a daily schedule? Not a daily schedule. What I mean is that you actually schedule ahead of time. Um, if you're going to get regular help from family oh, or see. friends, okay. you schedule ahead of time when that happens. Yeah. This is great for you because then you can make plans around those times. Yeah. It's great for them because they are able to, you know, build their schedules around that and and have that anticipation. The thing that you're avoiding when you establish a schedule, I mean the the consistency that you get out of that is great too. It's a lot easier to get to get consistent help that way when you're doing a schedule. But the thing that you lose when you don't schedule is the ability to not make last minute requests. Yeah. And those, those last minute requests are really difficult um, because what happens is a declined ask still counts against you. And, and what I mean by that is when you ask somebody at the last minute and they're not able to do it, even if they want to, you still ask them recently. So they, they don't feel like, oh, now I, now I owe them a time to come and watch the kids, you know, because right. it wasn't this scheduled pre-planned thing. Um, but it actually feels like, oh, you've, you know, you've actually, you've asked me. And when you, when you ask somebody too much in a short amount of time, you, you start getting this feeling like you've actually taken something from them. You know, that reciprocity comes into play. Yeah. You're like, okay, I guess I've already asked them several times and, and they haven't been able to do it, but I feel bad going back to them and asking again. Mm-hmm. You yeah. want to you wanna avoid that at all costs. Um, I wanted to say something about the friend thing real quick too. I found that it's really, really hard when you're in the trenches of raising children, especially when they're young and they require so much work. It's really, really hard to maintain friendships, especially the kind of friendships where um, you can either trade off childcare or something like that. You know, everybody is just so busy and they all have their own kids to take care of. And it just, it becomes this like, um, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like we don't have a whole lot of friends who have children or at least not as many as we do. And so it's, it's just a really difficult thing to maintain those friendships. Yeah, it's really hard. And, and the, the purpose of those friendships isn't so that you have help. No. But help is definitely can be a natural byproduct of investing in those relationships. And also 
when, you know, when you have friends come over to dinner and things like that, your kids are sort of entertained because if they have kids, they'll just go play with them. And and we've done that a few times, but it's just, I, I found that it takes a lot of work to maintain friendships when you have young children. It does. It does take a lot of work and it's good to make that investment. I'd say it's a worthwhile investment, even, even with the hard work, but, um, but also, you know, I, I think what we've experienced is that we have a pretty diverse pool of, of friends. Yeah. We have, we have friends who have families that are as big as ours. We have friends who have really small families. We have friends who are uh, young couples who don't have any kids yet. We have single friends. We have friends who are, you know, older and have kids who are teenagers or, or off to college. And, and for a number of reasons that, diversity has been really great for us because we get to we get to experience you know people's stories from all walks of life mm-hmm. you know from in, in different snapshots we're hearing about a good friend of ours whose son just got engaged you know we're we're hearing about that and and hearing her talk about some of the like it's it's a very happy time but it's also like oh my you know my boy's growing up mm-hmm and when you're connected to those people and to those stories, it kind of has a way of preparing you for when those things happen. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that's a fantastic byproduct. But also, we have some really good friends who have daughters who are uh, teenagers. And the, the daughters do help out with the kids every once in a while. But um, the wife, her name is Carol. And she's kind of she's kind of become like a grandmother to the boys, and mm-hmm. you know, she comes around a lot. My parents live pretty far away. Your your parents live even farther away, and so it's not very practical for them to come regularly to watch the boys. Mm-hmm. I still think we could get them on a schedule. Yeah, but but this this particular friend lives in our neighborhood, you know, and it's, it's somebody that we met through church and we got to know, and she actually offered to us one day, she said, you know, anytime you want me to come watch the kids, uh, just give me a call and let me know. And, and that was fantastic. That's very rare. And I wanted to make this point here. If somebody, if somebody makes that offer, you know, as long as it's somebody that you trust with your kids and, you know, like you'd, you'd be okay with them being in your house, get rid of your pride. Don't do that thing where it's like, Oh, you know, we're okay. I really appreciate like no. Take the help. Take the help where you can get it. You know, as as long as it's going to be safe for your family, obviously, but Yeah. But I I I think that's really the the key. It's a really long-term play with um with friends. You got to you got to invest in those relationships without the expectation that it could ever mean, oh, now we've got some regular help. Yeah. But a lot of times that becomes a natural byproduct of it. Yeah. Another thing that you can do, this is something that we, we, we have been talking about, but we haven't done yet, but you can find other couples with kids, get kind of a, a you know, handful of, of different couples and actually set up this arrangement where, the kids rotate from house to house. So maybe. Yeah. We've had this vision for a long time, but yeah. haven't really, we haven't really done anything to make it happen. Yeah. I feel like coordinating that wouldn't be so hard. Yeah. That it's impossible. It's just a matter of, you know, making the time to do that. But. So anyway, the kids go from house get, to house. Yeah. You get three other couples involved and you've got, and, and if you do something weekly, you know, you've got a date night, for three weeks out of the month. And then once a month, you've got all of the kids. Yeah. Which for us wouldn't be so bad, yeah, but for others might like, be. <laughs> that, I think that's the challenge for us is we've yeah. got so many. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems unfair. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what's they send their kids over and it's like, oh, there are a few other kids here. I mean, that's, that's a typical day because of the neighborhood kids. Yeah. Neighborhood kids are always coming over to Oh my house. gosh, always. they are always. But yeah, sending sending all of the Tolson boys over could be a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> I think we can figure that out though. Yeah. All right, so here is another place where we can get help, and that's from the kids. And uh, hmm. this is 
in the short term, it takes a lot longer to teach kids a skill than it takes for you to do it. Yep. And that's just, you know, that's just a given. But in the long term, it's going to take longer for you to continue doing something indefinitely that you could actually hand off to them. Yeah. So with with the kids, I I grew up in a home where, you know, we were responsible for certain chores. Mm-hmm, me too. And every once in a while, I, I think this was probably more true. I, I My time was split between um, my mom and my stepdad and my dad and my stepmom. So my, my stepmom actually is, is very much, she's kind of a busybody. She likes to, she enjoys cleaning, I think, but she, she definitely would participate in the work of that. But we had pretty high expectations. You know, we were teenagers at the time. There were pretty high expectations about what we would do around the house as well. Um, with my mom and my stepdad, I hope that's not confusing. It always kind of felt like now that's the kid's job. You know, like the kids are going to take care of that and we're going to, and I can't, I can't recall for certain whether or not that's true. Yeah. But I just, I, I guess I kind of had that sense. Wait, like saying now it's the kid's job and the parent just gets to sit around. Yeah. We, and, and we're, <laughs> you know, like we've done our time. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's like that at all. I remember my mom still working, you know, like we had our chores, but she would still do things. Right. Well, and. What I, what I want to be really careful uh, to not do as the parents is to try to equate the work that we're doing, making money and, you know, support, paying the bills and supporting the family to doing the work of keeping up the house. Yeah. I, I, I still don't feel like that's fair. I mean, you could, you could look at it a certain way and say, well, if you're spending you know, 60 to 80 hours a week at your job and then you still have responsibilities at home. Like that seems unfair when, but, but what I, what I really like to, the, the mentality that I want for our family to have when it comes to keeping up the house is an all hands on deck mentality. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're on this ship, we all play different roles, but you know, when somebody is doing something I, and I've got free time and you know, there's some place that we want to, to be as a family or something that we want to do. I would rather, you know, finish my thing and then go help out with whatever that person is doing until we get it all done. Mm-hmm. We have this little saying that we've been trying to get the boys to memorize. And it's um, actually, I, I think our second oldest, Asa, came up with this. Mm-hmm. He said, we clean up together until it is done. We clean up together and shine like the sun. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is for our after dinner chores. After dinner is done, we all put our plates away and then each of us has our assigned chores. And so the idea was that, you know, on any given week, if your assigned chore doesn't take you as long, what you should do when you're done is you should look for other ways that you can help so that we can all, you know, we if we if we all work together until it's finished, we're, we're all going to finish sooner than we would if only one person was like, oh, I'm done with mine now. I'm, I'm going to go play. Right. Good luck, you guys. Yeah. And kids aren't great about that either because they just want to get done as fast as they can because it's chores. Who wants to do chores? Yeah. Especially and, when it's sweeping the floor. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely not fun. Um, but but I feel like it's really important as parents that we demonstrate this mentality, this all hands on deck by also participating and not, not just in ways that the kids don't see, but actually, you know, like let them, let them know, Oh, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this thing. And so here's, here's where it gets a little bit tricky when the kids are really young, it can take a lot of time to try to get them to start cleaning and, and, and doing chores, yeah. certain things that they don't have really have the skills for yet. And you just have to think about it like a long-term investment. It's really great for the kids because when the kids are helping and contributing, their sense of autonomy grows. Mm-hmm. And that's something really important as a part of their development that they'll take into adulthood is, is their, their feeling like 
their contributors, like, like wherever they are, they have skill and value to offer. And because of that, they, they really, even, you know, despite their complaining, sometimes they really want to contribute to the family. They want to add value. They want to participate until they become teenagers. And then there's this, you know, weird (laughs) stuff going on with the brain that we're not going to get into in this episode. But, but early on, I mean, that's why, that's why they have those play brooms and, and stuff like that at the store, because kids like to pretend that they're doing this, the stuff that they see their parents doing. Mm-hmm. You can capitalize on that. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to make it sound like, oh, you can take advantage of this, but it, it really is something that's great for your kids when, when they do something and they feel like they've made a contribution to the family. Yeah. That's a, that's a gift that you give them. I feel like another thing that they learn, and this is something we tell our kids all the time, is that, um, I mean, it's kind of our mantra, I guess, we can do hard things. And, you know, when when they're having trouble getting the broom under the table so that they can sweep up all the food that the baby dropped, it's a hard thing to do, you know? It yeah. takes a little bit of skill, and sometimes they get frustrated, but the practice of it helps them realize that they can do hard things and that they can finish and that we can, we can leave the kitchen better than we came into it. Yeah. And, and I mean, that seems like a small lesson to apply that whole perseverance thing, but in reality, in a child's life, that's a huge thing. Yeah. And, and this also, um, it kind of lends itself to the next section that we're going to talk, talk about, but our oldest, who is nine, has experienced this a couple of times where he's he's actually gotten a little bit creative about how he gets out of doing certain work. You know, he's <laughs> um, and and I think this is this is a valuable skill too. It's something that many adults don't really have mastered. Yeah, and that is the ability to recognize when the value of your time is greater than the amount that you would spend to have certain things taken care of for you by hired help. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, without, without framing that too much, cause we're going to get into that but for the kids. That's a, that's a tremendous skill, you know, to, one to be able to recognize, okay, the things that the things that I want to do with that time or with this time are more important to me are more valuable to me than the time that I'm spending doing this it's still my responsibility to make sure it gets done, but I get to decide how that happens. I get to be creative. And so there's, there's the recognition of value. And then there's also the problem solving skills, the creativity that goes into finding a way to make that happen. So I think a couple of times Jaden is hired, actually hired his brothers yeah, to do certain things for him because he wanted to work on. He doesn't pay very well. Or, no, but <laughs> But it, it, it's, it's good to pay a fair wage. Yeah. But some pe- a fair wage is kind of subjective. It depends on, it depends on the person. Well, the six-year-old was happy to get a quarter. So yeah. <laughs> if the six-year-old will do it for a quarter and it'll, and, and it'll get done the way that it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, there's some, we got to do some teaching about fair wage. I think yeah. that'd be good. But, uh, so shifting, shifting to this idea, you know, when is, when is the right time to say, okay, you know, we're going to hire somebody now to do this thing. It could be any number of things. It could be doing the lawn. It could be childcare. It could be doing the cooking. It could be the dry cleaning or the laundry. You know, it could be, it could be cleaning the house, but all of those things that need to be done for the house, they take time. Mm-hmm. And, and so here's, here's part one of the question. Would it cost me less to pay someone else than the amount I could make with that same amount of time if I, if I were working? And that's, that's an important question. We're going to break that out a little bit here. First of all, you can't do that if you actually don't have the money to to, uh, to pay that. Yeah. And so it may be a situation where you need to save up for a certain amount of time and, you know, build some kind of buffer to where you know that you've got this chunk of money 
that you can devote toward that so that even, even though immediately you couldn't go out, you know, let's say it's mowing the lawn and it takes you two hours every single week. So you might build up enough cash to be able to afford to pay somebody to do that without affecting the rest of your bills. And for the first, you know, four to six weeks, you're actually not making, you're not, you're not making up the difference that doesn't necessarily speak to the value of your time because part of, part of the value of your time is not what you're making right now, but what that freed up time will enable you to make in the future. And so, so the way that you've got to think about it is, okay, I've got eight weeks of, you know, having somebody mow the lawn for me saved up. And so the question is, can I make the difference up between now and the end of that eight weeks so that I can continue to do that? Hmm. And that, and that's why it's really important to be aware of the value of your time now, the value that you will be able to produce under those circumstances if you were to free up that time. I think this is where I have a little trouble because the things that we do that we could pay to have someone else do are things that we typically do on weekends. And so it's not, I mean, we, we try not to work on weekends yeah. at all. And so it's, it's almost like, well, I wouldn't be making money in that time anyway. So how do you justify it there? Well, it costs you in other ways. So the, the time that you could be spending with your family during the weekends. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe you could spend that time because, because you're working. It's not really like you're spending time with your family. There is some value to, to getting into work together as a family. Yeah. There's some value to that. So I'm not, I'm not denying that, but what would be worth more to you? What would be more valuable to you? Yeah. Spending that time doing housework with your family or spending that time with your family doing, uh, having some other experience that's really fun and meaningful and, and that strengthens your relationship Yeah. in other ways. That's true. Because, and, and you can't always quantify the cost of that. What, you know, what is the cost to your business? What is the cost to your work? What is the cost to your personal health when your relationships aren't as strong as they could be? Yeah. So there's more than just the monetary cost. Right. Right. And, and it's, and it's okay to think about that too, you know, to, to think, you know, I, I may not be able to make this up or to, to compensate it uh, for it in other ways and say, you know, if I were to, if I were able to open up this time on weekends, I would feel more fulfilled and motivated. And I think that would play itself out in my work and I'd be able to produce more value there, which means I'd be able to charge more, which means I'd be able to pay somebody to, you know, to take care of that stuff on the weekends for me. Yeah. I think about the value of, um, feeling, I guess, sort of ahead in your life. Like right now, I feel like we're constantly catching up constantly because there's, there's always something that comes up and there's always something that needs doing and something we didn't quite plan on and that kind of thing. And, and I think about like the, you know, we don't mow our lawn until we get a letter from our HOA. And I think about how like it would be so nice to be able to be ahead of all of that, you know? Yeah. If we had an accountant, if we, (laughs) well, well, and here's a lot of different things. Here's, here's the truth. I mean, and this is our personal situation. You're building a a business. You're building your brand as an author. Yeah. And I'm also, you know, building my business. I'm making pretty decent money at it. We're we're keeping up with things for now. Mm -hmm. But one, we have to we have to earn the right to be able to get ahead. And you know, things are going to come up what you have to believe in this, and I'm making this for everybody now and for you, Rachel, and for me, mm-hmm. what you have to believe is that you are capable of producing enough value to overcome those things. You, you're absolutely capable of that. Sure. There are exceptions. Sometimes there are extenuating circumstances that are out of your control, but, but if you focus on those things, it's going to keep you from being successful. What you've got to believe and what you've got to actually live from, what you've got to live out 
is is the belief that you are capable of producing enough value to overcome those things. You're capable of producing enough value to get yourself to a place where you can hire somebody to do this thing that is keeping you from uh, being able to spend that time on other things that you value more. Yeah. And it's not, it's not just things that you don't like doing or would rather not do. There are some things that, you know, I enjoy cooking. Yeah. Um, but that takes, that takes an hour a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and, and if you count up just preparing food in general. Yeah. Um, it can, it can take between like, you know, two and three hours a day, depending. So what is that time worth? What, could you, could you get more value if that time were taken care of by somebody else, could you get more value out of it in other ways that would be worth more to you? And, and all of this, again, with, with the understanding and the belief that you are capable of producing that much value, it's going to take some work and it takes time, but, but you're capable of it. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into a few questions. Okay. This one was from Corey. He said, moving to another country is going to rob us of our happy, willing, and free babysitters, read my family, and put us into a fairly unfortunate... Read my family. Read. Yeah, that's what you usually say. Really? Yeah. I thought it was read, like <laughs> read as, like, like that, that section, happy, willing, and free babysitters. Okay. We can argue about that later. It's, it's read. No, I've, I'm, I tend to agree with you because you're the writer. So <laughs> anyways, and put us into a fairly unfortunate situation with that. Do you have any tips for making those sort of connections in a new place where you don't know anyone? Yeah. I mean, we kind of had to do that here. I mean, we're away from all of our family. My sister lives about an hour and a half away. My brother's a couple of states over. My parents are almost four hours away. And so the best thing for us was just getting involved in a community where there were people. And for us, that was church. But, you know, there are other things that you can get involved in. I'm not sure about other countries, but I'm sure that there are, you know, there are all sorts of mom groups and things like that. I know a lot of my blogs post on UK blogs. So I know that they have, you know, certain mom groups and those kinds of things where you can meet people. But I, I think for us, it, it has been sort of an organic outgrowth from the communities that we surround ourselves with. Yeah. And, and that can be, depending on your personality, that can be really difficult. I happen to know that Corey is a fairly outgoing person, so I don't see him having a difficult time making new friends in a new place. Uh, but you may have to overcome some anxiety with that. You may have to look for creative ways to get, con you know, kind of soften that initial contact so that it doesn't feel as abrupt where, where you might be uncomfortable. And also, you know, it takes time and it'll take a while to invest in those relationships to a place where you may actually have the support uh, that you need to get that kind of help. Mm-hmm. And I, I know for us, like we've had to be okay with also paying every now and then because, you know, the reality is you can't, I don't know, the, the free babysitters are not available all the time. And so. Yeah. And this, and this goes back to, you know, the, the value of that time. Yeah. It's, it's worth a lot to have some alone time with your spouse when you, you know that, especially when you go for long stretches where you haven't been able to spend that one-on-one -on -one time and how that manifests itself in other areas of your life. Yeah. And sometimes when we've, you know, like when you pay a babysitter, especially when you have six kids, that's a pretty heavy price tag. And a lot of times, like we'll just go walk around a store or something because, you know, date night budget is done. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, so instead of it, what it might look like is, okay, the money that we were going to spend having a fancy date, we have to spend on a babysitter. And so we're going to go sit out on the Dublin hillside. They're going to, uh, they're going to Ireland. Yeah. I've, I've never been to Ireland. I need to go. Yeah. But we're, we're going to go sit on, on the Dublin hillside and 
just look at the city, watch the sunset. And that's going to be our date. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to pack sandwiches. <laughs> we're going to pack pimentos. No. Kelsey asks, how do you know when you've reached the point that you need help around the house? What are the signs and red flags that you should listen to? Uh, that's a hard one. Um, I think for myself, I start feeling really, really burned out on everything. You know, like I get this really bad attitude and I start, I guess, snapping at kids whenever they make a mess or, uh, or I'm so focused on having a clean house that I don't let the kids be kids, you know, because I know how much work it took me to do that. And, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like it's an attitude thing for me. Yeah, it probably, there are different pressure points for different people. Probably where you start to see things being off in certain areas. Maybe, maybe you're, you know, like you're going through a week where you're not working out as much because you're spending so much time trying to take care of other stuff. And, you know, like when, you, when you're not taking care of yourself, you're not exercising, you're not sleeping well, you're not eating um, the right kinds of foods. Uh, those things can zap your productivity big time. Yeah. And, and they, they're also, perpe- they, they kind of are self-perpetuating to where when those things start to fall by the wayside, you tend to do more of the same because it creates this pattern. So any, anyways, it's specifically, I don't know that I can answer that, but, but just generally speaking, you know, when you see one of those areas start to suffer, it's, it's okay to bring it under the microscope and say, okay, what's going on? Yeah. You know, why is, why is this happening? Why did I stop working out this week? Or why am I snapping at my kids so much? Yeah. And there's also a feeling, uh, I know I feel it often and we just need to put some parameters in place, but just feeling constantly like you are so far behind on everything. Yeah. Because there's, there's just always so much to do. And when, whenever there's always so much to do that you constantly feel behind, I feel like that's a huge red flag that you need to get. You either need to get some help or you need to have a conversation about the important things that need to happen. I think another red flag could be feeling too comfortable. Some, uh, and <laughs> that sounds funny to say from our perspective, but uh, for somebody who doesn't maybe have as many responsibilities, has fewer kids or no kids, you might get into this really great rhythm where you're working, you're taking care of the household stuff, you've got enough free time and, and everything's really comfortable. And that could be a red flag because what you might be leaving on the table is your ability to have certain things taken care of that you're spending time on now that you don't really need to be spending time on because you could use that time to create more value or to do more of the thing that you love or to invest more in your relationships. And what you've got to realize in that situation is that, you know, your life comes in seasons and the season that you're in right now where you feel really comfortable is not always the season that you're going to be in. Long-term thinking requires you to plan and prepare, you know, so what it's great to be comfortable now, but what if you could push a little bit more, you know, get hire, hire that person to come and do this thing so that you can push a little bit more with your business and set yourself up to uh, be in a much better position when, you, when your family does grow, when, you, when your responsibilities do grow so that you can stay ahead of things. Yeah. The last question is from Eric, and he says, this is more of a reverse of the topic but sometimes I don't want help, especially when I have a plan for it, maybe organizing my space, fixing some stuff, taking care of the kids, etc. Is it a mindset that I need to work on and accept more help? Not, necess- not necessarily. It may be that, and, and it's kind of a case-by-case thing. I, when I read this question, I think immediately of the kids. You know, as great as it is for them to learn how to help, Um, Every once in a while, I really don't want for the three-year-olds to be putting on their own shoes because we've got to get out the door. You know, every once in a while, I don't want 
the boys doing all of their after dinner chores because I know that you and I could just wrap it up and we've got things that we've got to do later that evening. Yeah. And that's a short term approach to it. So what's, what's important is to recognize those moments as, okay, we're taking a short term approach here because the situation calls for it, but not to let that be your default. What your default should be is to accept help and to, and to grow that infrastructure of help in your life so that you have the freedom from those things. And then every once in a while as needed, you know, you can say, I don't want your help right now. I'm going to take care of this so I can knock it out, whatever. I'm just going to be honest here too. Um, I feel like for you, it's a lot easier to ask for help, but for me, it's not very easy. And I, I think there might be certain personalities where this is true, but I, I also tend to think that whenever I ask for help, it's almost an admission that I can't do it all. And, you know, we live in a society where we're expected to kind of put up that front of, I can do it all. I can handle all of this, you know? Yeah. Um, and all is a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things. And so asking for help almost feels like it's a failure of sorts because you're putting it out there that, yeah, I can't, I can't do all of this. And so I think for me, it's almost like a pride thing sometimes when, when we really feel like we're in need of help, but I have a really, really hard time doing it or asking for it. And I will, I will run myself to the ground trying to keep up with everything. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's such an important point. The, the people who accomplish amazing things who make a huge impact to change the world had help. The history books talk about a single person, but if you look at that person's life, you see them surrounded with people who helped people who did things that they didn't have to do along the way. You know, it's, and raising a family with six boys, that's a big undertaking. It's a huge tremendous task. It's not something that you can do on your own. It's not something that two people can do on their own. Yeah. I mean, really raising children, regardless of the number of children you have, is a tremendous task. So help is a necessary part of the equation. It's not some variable that you can leave out and expect to be able to accomplish the same things on one side of it. And on the other side, the the myth and I don't know where this comes from, but the, the myth that anybody does anything significant on their own without help is really detrimental. And you've got to recognize that for what it is. It's, it's just not true. People need help. We're designed to reach out for help. You know, when we're going through something difficult, the, there are systems in our body that kick in that cause us to reach out to other people. You know, yeah. they're, we're, that's how we're wired. That's how we're designed. That's how we function best. And, and so to, to fight against that is actually to fight against something that comes very naturally to us. And I know it's hard because you see it in the culture a lot, but I think what's really going on is a lot of people are, are holding on to this idea publicly and privately their lives are falling apart and they're having a really hard time because they're afraid to ask for help because they don't see anybody else doing it or demonstrating that. So let's be the people who ask for help and who show other people that it's okay to do that. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if, because a lot of times when people see us out and about with our kids, they're like, I can't even imagine. I don't know how you do it all. And my go-to response is typically like, well, we don't, you should see our house, you know, but I wonder if the better response would be, you know what? We have a lot of help. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think both are good. One, because one says we don't have it all together. Like yeah. you, you caught us out. I mean, of, look I at our kids' shoes. Look at our kids' shoes. <laughs> They're wearing one flip-flop and one tennis shoe mm-hmm. on the same child. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the tennis shoe has a sock and the flip-flop doesn't. <laughs> I mean, look, look, at, look at our van. Our van is yeah. gross. Tacky. Mm-hmm. Our, our room the room that the kids don't live in is I would say more of the time messy than it is clean. Yeah. You know, like our, our lives are not 
neatly put together. I think it's important for people to know that. And then two, yeah, people need to know that we have, we do have help. All right. Well, I think this was a good episode. Yeah. I'm glad that we were able to talk about this and hopefully get some people to recognize. I'm, I'm just so glad that you brought that in at the end to realize that it's okay to ask for help and that they, they need to develop that skill. Yeah. Because everything, everything in your life is better when you have help. It Rachel, like a commercial. Yeah. Rachel, where can people go to find us online? In the boat with Ben.com. That's right. You're correct. Every single time. You can go to in the boat with Ben.com. There we have our weekly podcast. You can, you can see all of our episodes there. Uh, complete show notes. Um, while you're there, you can also sign up for our email list and we'll send those show notes directly to your inbox. But what I would, what I would also really like for you to do, it's, it's fun going to the website and reading the show notes. It's fun getting the show notes in your inbox and being able to look at them there, you know, pull them up on your phone whenever you want to click on the link and you get to listen to the, to the episode. But the way that we would love for you to experience in the boat with Ben is through the community. Go to seanwest.com slash community. Um, you have access to a chat, live audio show. So we do, we do a live audio feed of this episode to people who are hanging out in the chat room with us, asking questions, contributing to the value of this episode. And there are other shows that we actually do live video. I was, I was actually, uh, I was daydreaming about that yesterday, how I'd really love to be doing live video for In the Boat with Ben. Like uh, the podcast mm-hmm. live video? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would mean that I'd have to put makeup on and stuff, but I mean, you'd have to put makeup on and stuff. Uh, yeah. What? What's wrong? Oh, I just said, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but maybe, maybe you're listening to this in the future and now we actually do have live video. Who knows? Go check it out. SeanWest.com slash community. It's what makes all of the shows on the network possible and allows us to give this content away for free every week. If you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us today. And we will see you next week. question in the chat from Veronica that I wanted to save for the after show. After show value provided for you by Veronica Bishop of the Sean West community. (laughs) I mean, while we're doing the podcast, she's asking this question and I'm like, yeah, we're going to have to make that a whole, you know, set at the end section. So she said, if your spouse doesn't have the same standards of cleanliness as you do, but you keep having the same conversation about them helping out, pulling their weight, how do you keep them from being, how, oh, do, how do you yeah. keep from being a martyr at one extreme and a nag on the other? As hard as it is to ask for help, it can build up resentment if you feel like you're doing everything on your own. I think we, uh, you and I kind of oscillate between not as much as we used to, but yeah. we've, we've oscillated between, you know, being good and, and feeling like we, we share pretty equal responsibility. And then every once in a while, um, because my, my standard of cleanliness is definitely not as high as yours. Right. But, but you feeling frustrated with me that things aren't getting done. I mean, even, even recently you had worked really hard on getting the house tidied up and on one of my shifts with the boys, everything kind of fell apart. Uh, Yeah. It was like an explosion. Yeah. And so, (laughs) you know, after you work that hard and then coming coming downstairs 
when when you you know like you left the house in Perfect good order. condition. Yeah. You came upstairs, you worked, and then you come back downstairs and it's like that. that. And it's like the whole life drains out of you. It's like, oh my gosh, I just want to go to bed right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we've had our, and we, we even had an argument. <laughs> yeah, we did. We, we had a disagreement there about. So I don't, I don't know that there is like a quick fix for that. I think that something that I've had to I mean, I, I feel like it kind of all shifts on mindset. And so something that I've had to do over the years is redefine my standard of cleanliness. And that helps also when you have kids because, I mean, kids can destroy a room in like five seconds. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like that has helped me to have a better perspective on a clean, what a clean house looks like and what it means. And I don't, you know, I don't always hold to that lower standard. Sometimes, you know, when I've spent two hours cleaning everything up and getting everything in its place and wiping down bookshelves and all of that, like I would, I would like to enjoy that for more than half an hour, Yeah, you know? And so I think it just boils down to mindset because you're right. If you feel like you're doing everything alone, you're, you're going, you're going to be existing as if you're a martyr and on the other end of that, if you're constantly asking, not asking for help, but almost demanding help, you're going to seem like a nag. And you and I have, you know, we've had some great conversations about the house and how clean we need it in yeah. order to create the best way that we can, you know. And, and one thing that I've had to do also, I have a separate space that is my creating space and I typically don't go outside of that space while I'm working yeah, so because not... I know that if I go downstairs and I see the tornado that has gone through there, it's going to affect how I come back and work at my desk, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it kind of can become a survival tactic in a way when, when you lower your standard, especially when there are kids involved because, you know, it, it's like that your choices are, either keep this high standard and and I want to I want to start out by saying you know like there's no no standard of cleanliness that you have is superfluous or or silly you know yeah. like it's if you have a very high standard of cleanliness and that's what gives you clarity and helps you to do your best work I don't I don't think it's right for anybody to come in and say well you're just your expectations are too high yeah that's the mistake I've made yeah <laughs> um but at the same time, it can be kind of a survival tactic when you're in a season of life where that expectation is consistently not going to be met and, and, and continuing to hold on to that expectation is costing you. It may be that for that season, you need to lower it. What I will say though, with the spouse is that I, I feel like there's some compromise that can come into play there. So if you're going to lower your expectations, I think it's also fair for your spouse to raise their expectations or to, or to adhere to a new, you know, expectation of what cleanliness looks like. But going back to what we were saying in the beginning of the episode, the focus has to be on the results that that cleanliness creates for you. Um, the goals that you're trying to reach. And that's why having those conversations about your goals regularly is really important because having, having clean house could be a really vital piece of you achieving your goals. Yeah. And if you put the focus on that, uh, especially if you're, if your spouse agrees with you that, that that should be a goal that you're going for, you know, wants to be supportive of you, they're going to see the value in, doing the things that are necessary for you to feel like you can accomplish that. Yeah. Um, as a, and, and it, it takes the focus away from the work itself, away from the fairness of it or, or how, how it's divided up. It takes the focus away from that and it puts, it, on, it puts it on, this is the goal that I'm trying to accomplish. And that's a much better place to, to have your focus because that the motivation that you have from that versus, you know, like, if I, I would rather my motivation be when I keep the house clean, Rachel is a better writer and she feels more clarity and she feels more confident in, in reaching her goal. That motivation is much better for me than 
if I don't clean the house, I'm going to hear about it from Rachel. Yeah, exactly. I, I would much rather focus on the first motivation. So it, it pretty much boils down to a mindset. And for me, if the house just looks like a tornado came through all the time, I, f- I almost feel like it makes the whole I'm not on top of life feel even worse. You know, yeah. it's it's like we're we're drowning even more. And I don't I don't necessarily feel like we're drowning all the time. But when the house is a mess, those are the times that I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I can't give up. I just or I can't I can't keep up. I just want to give up. You know, yeah, and it and it may be that you have to do some educating because your spouse may not have that connection at all. Yeah, exactly. It, it may be that you need to do some educating and, and let them know this is how I feel when the house is like this. And as much as I would like to just ignore it, I really have a hard time and it's keeping me from being able to, it's, it's costing me focus and, and productivity because I feel like I'm not on top of things and then I start to feel panicked and, you know, so, so I think it's, I think it's great to talk about it in the context of your goals, the things that you're feeling and experiencing because, uh, because you don't have the same expectations for the cleanliness of the house and that, and that works for other areas as well. Yeah. So is there, while we're on the air and you've got, you know, we've got an audience people to kind of hold me accountable. (laughs) Is there anything that you'd like to say to me about the, the state of our house? Actually, barring today, I've been sick as a dog and the downstairs is terrible and I'm really sorry. Oh, great. Just so you know, heads up. Yeah, it would be nice if the recycling could be taken out a little a little uh, more frequently. I hear you. <laughs> and I agree. Yeah, we have, a, we have a recycling basket that sits on top of our washing machine. It's a relatively big basket. It's, but a, it's if, a really big basket, yeah. But if I'm not taking it out every day... Um, it tends to get overfilled and then there's no place to put the recycling stuff except on the counter. And when you put the recycling stuff on the counter, it creates clutter and clutter attracts other forms of clutter. And then the whole house falls apart. Yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty bad. It happens so quickly too. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. How, How about after this episode, we will come up with a plan Yep. We'll come up with a plan for making sure that I take care of that every day. All right. Then. Oh, you know what? I've got a great idea. I'll make it a part of the morning routine. All right. I do it. I do it in the morning when I make the boys lunches. All right. All right. Good plan. Good plan. Good talk. <laughs>